Amen. Thank you, worship team. And um, somebody just told me, they said, you know, you won't offend me if you leave your shirt untucked. Because I, I always have my shirt untucked. And I realized this morning I couldn't get this thing. I always put this thing down my shirt. And I said, well, I don't know how to do that. Because my shirt's tucked in. Um, you know, and I'm not trying to be a, a pastor now and tuck my shirt in. Um, I just thought it worked with this shirt, but maybe I won't do that again. We'll see. With, with me, you get what you get, guys. And, you know, you should have thought about that before you voted. Um, that's fine. But um, wanna, I, I've, got a, I've got a lot on my, my heart and my mind this morning. And I've um, been thinking about some things and thinking about this, um, this whole transition and, and where the Lord wants to take us. And um, it's a new season, you know, and I've um, been thinking about just praying about direction, wisdom, all these things. And, uh, and that's good for not just for, for me and for this situation, but for all of us, for our lives, isn't it? Every day we should be seeking the Lord. Lord, what do you want from us? Today, Lord, I need your wisdom today because I don't, I don't know what to do. The, it says in Proverbs chapter 3, acknowledge him in all your ways and he'll direct your path. It doesn't say some of your ways. It doesn't say when you don't know what to do, acknowledge him. It says acknowledge him in all your ways. But I've been thinking about this and the Lord spoke a word to me back in I think November or October, something like that, about abundant life and supernatural power. And I feel like that's what he was speaking to us and has been speaking to us where he wants us to go in the future and taking us to a deeper place of abundant life, of what that means and, and walking in abundant life and walking in supernatural power. And I wanna start here if I can, if you go to John chapter 10 with me. And I've preached about this a few times and I might preach about it a few times more, I don't know. Um, but in John 10, and I started with the, the service with this verse, if you were here this morning as we got started. But let me, let me start with verse 1. He says, I assure you, anyone who doesn't enter the sheep pen by the door but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. The doorkeeper opens it for him. The sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he is brought all his own outside, he goes ahead of them. The sheep follow him because they recognize his voice. They'll never follow a stranger. Instead, they'll run away from him because they don't recognize the voice of strangers. I was, I was thinking about this passage this morning, or the other day, and I, I thought about a time we had some sheep. I, I'd never, I don't really work with a lot of animals. I like animals, they're delicious. Um, but that was for my wife. She's a vegetarian. Um, but I, I like animals, but I'd never really worked with animals too much. And one, one day we were doing this Christmas outreach, uh, walk through, play, whatever you call it, the Bethlehem Live. Anybody remember the Bethlehem Live? Three of you. And um, yeah, it was a while back. And um, we did this thing, and, and somebody knew somebody who had some sheep. And the guy said, hey, if you want some sheep for your play, you can borrow the sheep. And I said, great, that'd be perfect. We'll get some sheep. And he gave us a donkey too, I think. And we put them out there and uh, out, out on our Sparrow Road property. We had this big, it was a big production. 
And um, we had them out there, and I noticed when, when we picked the sheep up, the farmer was calling the sheep, or a shepherd. Maybe you call him a shepherd, but he had other animals, so I called him a farmer. But he was calling the sheep, and, and he whistled or something, and all the sheep came running. And they were wagging their little tails. They were as happy as they could be. He was feeding them. It was really, they were really nice. I thought, well, it's easy to work with animals. I can do this, right? And so me and, me and um, one of the guys from church, Alan Cox, I think, is he, is he up there today? No, I see Sandy. I can't tell. Okay, yeah, hey, buddy. Me and him went, remember that? We went and picked him up. And um, we picked up these sheep, and we got them back to the property. And I noticed every day I would have to go out and feed them. And when I would go to feed them, I would try to call them just like the guy did, just like the farmer called them. But you know what? They wouldn't come to me. They would sit, and when they saw me coming, they would go hide in a corner. And I would, I would have the food. I'm like, I got your food. I'm shaking the food bucket. Come on and get your food. They didn't want anything to do with me. I got their water. They don't want anything to do with me because I'm a stranger. I don't want to say sheep are smarter than kids. But you got to teach kids to stay away from strangers now. We, it's different than having dogs. We had a dog that was a golden retriever. And this dog, was the, it was the friendliest dog. It never met a stranger. And if you had food, it would be your best friend. And if you didn't like dogs, it would, it would like you even more and want to sit on your lap or something. I mean, it was just that kind of dog. And we would take this dog for walks in our neighborhood, and people would wave, hi, Aspen, how are you? And we'd look at the people. We'd never seen these people before. They know our dog because we found out the dog was getting loose and going to people's houses and visiting and getting fed. That's a dog. But now the sheep are different. Sheep don't want to be around strangers. And here's my point this morning, and I want to speak to you about this because he says his sheep hear his voice. His sheep hear his voice, and they listen. They know his voice. And here's my point because he dropped dropped down to verse 10. He says, a thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it in abundance. And this is where I believe we're going in this, in this day. The Lord wants to take us into a place where we understand what it means to have abundant life. But I believe the key is hearing his voice. The Holy Spirit will lead you into abundant life. How do I know if it's the voice of the Lord? If it's leading you into abundant life, it's the voice of the Lord. The thief comes, if you because there's other voices, you know, that will speak to you. If you hear another voice and it's leading you into death, it's leading you into destruction, it's leading to this kind of thing, that's not the voice of God. But you have to learn how to discern the voice of God in your life. The Holy Spirit wants to speak to you, amen? The Holy Spirit wants to lead you into abundant life. So go with me real quick. Go to Matthew chapter 20, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 14, and we're gonna hang out here for a while this morning because I feel like this scripture really illustrates, well, hearing the voice of God and what that means to hear his voice and how he leads us. And so let me just set this up for you. We're gonna start in verse 22, and you know this story, but just to back up, some things have been happening. There's a series of events that are leading up to this moment. And we could, you could, we'll back up to about chapter 13. Jesus is preaching in his hometown. They don't want anything to do with him, do they? He's, it says he's rejected in his hometown because they look at him and they criticize and they think, no, he, we, he grew up here. He's just, that, he's just that carpenter's boy. We know his family. We know this. And they don't want anything to do with him. 
And so Jesus, it says, he's not able to do many miracles there because of their unbelief. We go on, the story goes on. John the Baptist is beheaded. Jesus hears about it. There's some, there's some things going on that aren't real encouraging. You ever go through a season where it's just like, man, there's just things that are happening. It's not, it's not encouraging me. It's not helping me, but it's just things that are happening. So Jesus hears about John the Baptist. And he goes out and he tries to get alone and people follow him. And he starts healing people and they run out of food. And so he says, what kind of food do you have? What do you have? And he takes the food they have and he multiplies. He feeds 5,000 people. In the midst of all those things, Jesus isn't affected by what's going on around him. He's changing the environment that he's walking in. You with me? Okay, so here's where we're going. Now look at verse 22. We'll start here. Immediately after he fed 5,000 people, immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. So get the picture now. Jesus tells his disciples, you guys go get in the boat. I want you to go to the other side of the lake. And he goes back and he's by himself. He's just, well, he's dismissing the crowds. And then once they're gone, he goes up on top of a mountain, it says, and he prays by himself. And he's up there, verse 24, he's up there. When evening came, he's alone. The boat was already over a mile from the land, but it didn't make it to the other side, did it? What happened? It was being battered by the waves because the wind was against them. And so I want to stop there for a minute. So here's the picture. The disciples are in a boat trying to get to the other side, and they can't because the wind starts getting against them. The waves start coming against them. Things start coming against them in their life to keep them from where they're going, get, keep them from getting there. So it's, it's, it's this thing called the curse, called toil. Called, it's, it's this thing that's against them, keeping them from getting to where God wants them to go. Because Jesus, did Jesus send them? Jesus said, you get in the boat. You guys go to the other side. So Jesus gave them a word, but immediately things start coming against them. And you know what a lot of us would do in that situation? We'd turn around. We'd go back home. We'd say, I guess God didn't really want me to go there in the first place. I guess the Lord's speaking to me, telling me not to bother. But they didn't do it. They kept, they kept trying. They kept trying. And they're, they're going a few feet forward, and they go a few feet backwards. I don't know if you ever had that while you're driving. We had a, an experience in, in Puerto Rico a couple years ago. Our team was up in the mountains, and we're taking food to different um, people that live way up in the mountains. I mean, it's a really different world when you get up into the mountains in Puerto Rico. And we're driving up the road, and somehow I got into a car with a bunch of Puerto Rican people, and none of them spoke English. And it was kind of awkward, because they're talking to me like I understand them. And I'm, I'm nodding my head and smiling. And they, they would stop and get me some fruit. they say something about some fruit, and they'd, I'd, okay, and they'd bring me fruit. And I'm, I'm just sitting in the back of the, they, they, they saw me and figured I like to eat. So they're just stopping on the side of the road getting me food. And so we get up high into the mountain, and the car is loaded down with supplies and, and people. And we got up there, and I noticed the tread on the, on the tires. There was none. It was, just a, it was just a tire. It looked like a, one of those Hot Wheel cars. There's no tread on it. And, and we start going up this road, and promise you, we start sliding back down. And then we try it again, and we, I'm not talking about a couple feet or a couple inches. We slid we slid the length of, I don't know, five or six cars going backwards, and then we try to go up again. And then they looked at me, and they said, you guys get out of the car. 
They thought I was the problem. Okay. <laughs> so I said, okay. So I got out and they tried to drive it up. It did the same. It kept sliding backwards. Every time they'd go up, it'd slide back down. And then finally they said, no, we're done. We're going home. And I said, okay. So we got back in the car and we went. But it was, it was this constant forward, backward, forward, backward. I think that's what the disciples were feeling. They're paddling, they're whatever, they're rowing, whatever they have. I don't know if they have a sail. Whatever they're trying to do, they're trying to go forward, but something keeps working against them. And look, in John, in John 10, verse 10, we just read, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. The enemy, the enemy does something. He comes to enforce the curse in your life. There's a curse on this world. How many of you understand that? When Adam sinned, the world became cursed. And the enemy comes to remind you of the curse. See, those poor disciples are stranded in the middle of the lake. They can't, they can't get any momentum. They can't get forward. The enemy, his voice will come to remind you of the curse. He'll come to tell you something to keep you stuck, to keep you broke, to keep you sick, to keep you powerless. He wants you powerless, but that's not who you are, amen? That's not who you are. Jesus sent the disciples out in the middle. Do you believe Jesus knew what was coming? I believe Jesus knew what was coming. This was supposed to be an object lesson for them on how to do life in the kingdom of God. So let me explain this, okay? Because Jesus was always trying to take the disciples to a place where they understood how to do life his way. That was the goal of, of his time with the disciples was to show them how to live because when he went to heaven, he said, now you go do it. Now you go do what I've been doing, right? So he wants to show them how to live. So you see it with Jesus and Peter right in the beginning when they first meet and Peter's been fishing all night, and he says to Jesus, we haven't caught any fish. We've been out there all day, all night, and we haven't caught anything. And what does Jesus say? Take your boat out and go throw the net out. Let's catch some fish. Now, Peter in his head is thinking, this, isn't, this is dumb. Because there's a way to go about fishing on the Sea of Galilee with a net, and you don't do it this way. The fishermen have a system. The system's broken. Let me tell you. The system's broken, or Peter wouldn't have fished all night and not caught anything. The system, the world has a system, a way of doing things, and it's broken. It's a broken system. It's a cursed system, but they have their way of doing things, and they want you to follow the system, okay? So Peter goes out. He says, okay, Lord, this, he's, I don't think there's a lot of faith in Peter, but Jesus got his, has some faith for both of them. And he says, no, let's go out and catch some fish. So they go on out. Peter, you know what happens? Peter throws out the net. It gets so full of fish, the net starts to break and the boat starts, starts to sink. Jesus is showing him what life in the kingdom of God is supposed to be like. It doesn't follow the system, it follows faith. The system says, no, you do it this way. Faith says, no, you follow what God says at your word. That's what Peter said to Jesus. Jesus, at your word, I'll do it. That's how we're supposed to live, at his word. What does his word 
say. Because when we follow the word, even when it's contrary to the world, you're going to get ahead. When you're following the world system, you're going to go backward and backward and backward and never make any progress. You can invest in the 401ks, but you'll never make any progress following the world system. Those things aren't bad, but understand something. When you, when you follow the word of God, you're not, you're, your life isn't connected to the, the world system. Your life isn't connected to what's happening in the stock market. Your life isn't, con- you understand what I'm saying now? Your source, that's not your source. He's your source. I thought that was better. That deserved a little better, amen, didn't it? So Jesus starts his walk across the water. The boat's a mile from land. Look at verse 25. It's around three o'clock in the morning, and that's just a creepy hour of the morning. And you wouldn't want to be out in a boat on a lake at three o'clock in the morning with the wind against you and the waves against you and stuff's getting real out there. And now what happens? They look out and they see Jesus walking on the water. That's a little creepy, isn't it? So listen, let me just talk about this for a second because Jesus steps out on top of the water. We know the story and we think, yeah, it's okay, it's Jesus. But understand when he was doing this, this was, a, this was a supernatural event. He was superseding the laws of nature. When God created the earth, he put something into effect. He put the law of gravity into effect, didn't he? And gravity says when you walk on water, you're going to sink. But Jesus wasn't operating by the laws of this world. He wasn't operating by this world system. He was operating by a greater system called faith. Faith created this whole thing. So faith can dominate this thing. Faith created this world, so faith can dominate this world. So when Jesus was walking on water, he was operating in faith. I heard um, somebody, well, we, we had our, our class, I don't know how many months ago, about the law of confession, and we were talking about this, the fact that the, the law of gravity is a law that can't, that's, it's for everybody, but when you get into an airplane and the airplane gets to a certain speed, another law takes over. It's called the law of lift. And the law of lift, if that, if that everything is, is working the way it's supposed to, that law of lift will supersede the law of gravity. It's a greater law. It's always been there. When God created the world, that law worked. You could have taken an airplane in the time of Moses and flown it, it would have worked because it was, it was there, it existed. The law was there, but they had to understand how to use it. Faith has always been here, but you gotta understand how to use it. Faith will let you dominate the situations you're going through. Faith will let you dominate what's going on in your life. God put faith in this world and you're supposed to use it. You with me? Look at, look at Hebrews 11 verse three real quick. Have you got that one to throw up on the screen? Tyler? By faith, by what? Okay, we understand the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen has been made from things that are not visible or not seen. So in other words, the things that you can see, the chair you're sitting on, the, the what is this called? The podium I'm preaching at, the pulpit here, is made out of things that you can't see. It's made out of something called faith. When God spoke, he spoke a word and he released faith from him. 
And he said, let there be light. There was no, I've talked about this before, there was no source for light, was there? Except for him. But he released it and light came. And, and again, if I, had, if I had been the one to create the world, I would have logically said, let there be a sun. And then the sun would make the light. He didn't do it that way, did he? He said, let there be light. And light came. He didn't make a sun until the fourth day. He didn't even bother. When God said, let dry land appear, there was no dry land. It just appeared. You understand. He created animals out of that. He just, just, just things came. He released faith and things came. So what has been made has been made from what you can't see called faith. Faith dominates this world. You were created to dominate this world. You were created to dominate when things, when things come up in your life. God didn't make you to be under your circumstances. He made you to dominate over. That's what living the abundant life is all about. So you can't live the abundant life when you're under depression. You can't live the abundant life when you're in poverty. You can't live the abundant life when you're sick. You can't live. You know what I'm saying? God didn't create you. He created you to dominate. He told Adam. He put Adam in the garden. Are you guys with me this morning? Am I getting too heavy? He put, some of you are rethinking this vote now. Come on. I know it. That's okay. You're stuck. He put, God, God put Adam in this garden and he, he said to Adam, you rule over this earth. You dominate the earth. You subdue it. You rule over it. That was his intention for Adam. God created you to dominate. Amen. I got to go on. Go to, go to 2 Corinthians 4, verse 18. And got that one? Yeah. So we do not focus, we don't fix our eyes on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary. Say temporary. I think the King James says temporal. Is that right? And the word temporal, it means subject to change. Okay? We don't fix our eyes on what is temporal, but what is unseen, because what's unseen is eternal. Okay? Here's, here's what I'm getting at. The eternal things don't change. God doesn't change isn't that good. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The world around you is changing every day, isn't it? You wake up, some of you turn on the news in the morning. Why? Because you want to see what's going on, because things are changing. You turn on the weather. What's going on? Because I want to find out, I want to find out what, because it changes all the time. Is it going to rain? Is it going to snow? I don't know. We live in North Carolina. It could do anything. It, 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 so you, things are changing. So you gotta, you got to find out. You want this information to find out what's happening. Listen, the world around you is subject to change, and it's supposed to change. God puts you in this earth to change some things. You don't fix your eyes on the things that change. You fix your eyes on God and get some faith in you and use your faith to change some things. The disciples are in the middle of a storm. We left them there. They're in the middle of a, of a, a raging sea, and they don't know what to do. But Jesus is going to show them how to dominate their situation. They, things change, and you're supposed to change some things, okay? You still with me? So look back at Matthew 14, and look at verse 26, and here's Jesus 
walking on the water, and the disciples see him walking, and they're terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. Now listen, I know this sounds funny, but these are grown men. They're grown men, and it says they cry out in fear. I looked up this word, cried, because I was curious what it said. It said it's the call of a raven. So that really kind of gives me an impression of what this noise they were making was. This was, a, this was a bunch of scaredy cats, okay? They were screaming in terror because there's a ghost on the water. Now, why did they think it was a ghost? Look, the, the waves, I want you to get the picture. The waves are moving, right? Everything's moving. Have you ever been in a boat and tried to stand up when things are going crazy? You, you can't do it. It's hard enough to stand in a boat when, it's, when things are calm. When things are moving, if you stand up in the boat, you're gonna fall out or you're gonna fall on your face and get hurt. When you're in, a, when you're in the water and things are moving, you're, you're sitting down holding on to something for dear life or leaning over the side for another reason, okay? But it's, things are getting real. And here's Jesus. He's walking on the water and he's not walking like, like this, try, struggling. Try, he's gliding so much effortlessly that they think it's a ghost because he's just, there's Jesus, he's walking. It says he's walking, but it looks like he's floating because he's not being, he's not being affected by the, the raging sea around him. So listen, Jesus is showing them how life can be. You're in the middle of something that seems like it's throwing your life in a, in a loop, and yet you can still be walking through the middle of it effortlessly. You know, sometimes Jesus calmed the seas. This time he didn't calm it. He just walked right through it, and it didn't affect him. That's how our life is supposed to be, abundant life. I'm not being affected when everybody else around me is going crazy because there's a corona, whatever, virus. I don't have to be affected by that. I can walk right through the middle of it. You know, you'll walk through, what does it say? You'll walk through fire and not get burned. You'll walk through water and not drown. That's how God intended us to live. Amen. So Jesus says to them, verse 27, have courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. In the Amplified, let me read it this way. It says, but instantly he spoke to them. So here they are crying out in fear, terrified because they think a ghost is coming to get them. And he says, take courage. I am. Stop being afraid. Did you see what it, the difference there? And Jesus wasn't just saying, hey guys, Take courage, I'm here, it's Jesus. He's saying, I am. What's the difference? He's using the name of God. He's using that, that, that name that's a, that, that God, when God appeared to, a, to Moses in the burning bush, and he said, I am. When, you, when people ask who, who's sending you, tell them, I am. He's saying, he's saying, he's using that covenant name of God, saying, don't be afraid, I am. Why does he use that there? We talked about fear last week, so I don't want to get too much into it, but God is love, and love drives out fear. He's using that covenant name, and it's bringing peace to their heart. Don't be afraid, I am. You might be going through something today. I can say to you, don't be afraid, because I am is with you. I am is in you. I am is here, amen? And love drives out fear. 
But I want you, I want you to get, get this now, verse 28, and I wanna go here because I want you to understand how life is supposed to be, but also how do I get there? Here's how it's done. Look at verse 28. Peter says, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And I love this because he's asking not just for a request. Lord, if it's really you, then then is it okay if I come out on the water? He doesn't say that. He says, Lord, if it's you, command me. Lord, if it's you, command me. He's asking for Jesus to give a command. What happens when Jesus commands things? Things, listen. When Jesus gave a command for demons to go, there was no discussion. There was no, there was no argument. It was, they, they listened. When Jesus told people that were sick or lame, get up and walk, he commanded them and they listened. You with me? So Jesus, well, so Peter asked of Jesus, command me. Now listen, there was 11 other guys sitting in that boat. Peter sees Jesus walking effortlessly through that water. 11 guys sit there with their mouths hanging open, but one of them makes a crazy request. Command me. If that's you, command me. I want to do it too. One guy out of the 12 was starting to get the idea that Jesus wasn't just doing things to show off. He was doing things to teach them how to live. And so if Jesus could do it, so could Peter if he was commanded. If he had the command, he could do whatever the voice told him to do. And so he was understanding that this wasn't just for Jesus, because I think a lot of people, they read the Bible and think, that's great, Jesus healed, yay, good for Jesus. Wish he were here, you know? Hey, Jesus, Jesus, you know, did whatever, Jesus provided, oh, he fed 5,000 people, good, I wish Jesus were here. He is, and he wants you to start living like that. He made a way for you to live like that. He redeemed you from the curse so that you could live like that. But you know what we do? We think, oh man, I wish Jesus were here. I, I bet then some things would be good. He is here. He lives in you and he expects you to do something about it. See, listen, one guy made a request. You, Jesus said this, you can have whatever you ask. He didn't reprimand Peter, did he? And say, Peter, how dare you? Don't you know I'm the son of God? Don't you know God has anointed me to be the one to walk on? How dare you? No, he said, come on. Come on, guy. Get out here and walk with me. He, was, he did not reprimand him. Jesus said, you can have whatever you ask for. If you can have faith to ask for it, he'll do it for you. But most Christians aren't asking for much. They're not because they don't believe for much because they don't think God really wants to do much. You with me? Maybe they've been disappointed in the past, so they quit asking. Maybe they've been told, God doesn't want to do that for you, and so they believe what somebody has said. But listen, the Holy Spirit is calling us. It's time to get out of the boat. You got to get out of the boat, because the boat represents your safety. The boat represents your security. But if you'll get up and you'll say, Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. Lord, command me. Like you commanded Peter, you can get up and do whatever he's calling you to do. But you got to get to a place where you're hearing his voice. So look at this. Jesus says one word to him. Look at verse 29. Come, he said. He just said one word. His command was one word. Come on. Come. Come. Peter, you want to come? 
So Jesus spoke that word in faith, and now Peter had the responsibility to do something with it. I've got a lot I want to say here. Maybe we'll get to some more of this next week. That's the, the beauty. I got to preach again next week. Did you know that? Um, um, some of you, yeah, I know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, but Jesus spoke that word in faith, and Peter had to do something with it. Now, listen, you've got his word. You've got, Lord, command me. Here it is. Do something with it. You got to do something with it. So Peter walked in obedience to what he heard. You know, there's a scripture, Isaiah 30, verse 21. It says, you'll hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. The Holy Spirit wants to speak to you. The Holy Spirit wants to give you direction. He wants to, now listen, when God speaks something to you, it's not a request. He wants to command you. You're his to command. But you've got to get to a place where you're hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit. You hear voices? You need, you need, to, hear it. You need to hear one voice. It's good. It's okay to hear voices as long as it's the voice of the Holy Spirit. There's other voices that will speak to you. Don't listen to those voices. You listen to the Holy Spirit. Some people think that sounds crazy. How does the Holy Spirit speak to me? Listen, the Holy Spirit is, I know this is probably going to blow your mind, he's a spirit. He is spirit. And so he speaks not to your ears because that's your body. He doesn't speak to your body. He can and he has for some people, but it normally doesn't speak to your body. You know what else he doesn't speak to? He doesn't speak to your mind because the Holy Spirit doesn't live in your mind. The Holy Spirit lives in your spirit, and he communicates to your spirit. So you hear spiritual things in your spirit if you listen. If you listen, the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you. If you're filled with the spirit, you have the Holy Spirit. Now listen, when, when you're saved, Pastor Kim talked about this last week, when you're saved, you have the Holy Spirit. When you're filled with the Spirit, now the Holy Spirit has you. I think that's what he said. And so when the Holy Spirit has you, you, you can hear his voice. You can listen to him and follow wherever he's telling you to go. So Jesus commanded Peter to come. And I, I heard this this story, and, it's, and it speaks to your authority. Because when Jesus spoke that word, come, he was speaking with authority. And you have the Holy Spirit in you. And so you can speak with authority too. Did you know that? I heard this story this week. There was a pastor in Haiti. Some of you might have heard this story. A pastor in Haiti that got arrested. And he was in jail for four days. You know what he did? There was a, there was some, there's a lot of witchcraft in Haiti. There's a lot of witch doctors and, and stuff like this, and they'll, they'll use this certain tree, and I looked this tree up online. They, they have a certain tree that they use for witchcraft, and it grows all these big gourds and stuff like this, and they take these gourds. We saw some of this in Africa, didn't we? They'll take some of these gourds and create witchcraft things out of them to do their worship, like rattles and whatever. It's kind of silly, but they do it all, and they use it for their witchcraft. And, and um, this pastor, he'd had it, and he walked up to one of the witchcraft trees, and he cursed the tree. And the tree died. And they put him in jail. Okay? And they, but the police were scratching their heads. They didn't know how to, what to do with the guy because all he did was speak to it. He didn't lay a finger on the tree. So they had to let him go. 
You have some authority behind what you speak, but you gotta learn how to speak the way God's telling you to speak. You gotta learn what to speak. You gotta hear what the Holy Spirit's saying, amen? Jesus said, my sheep, let's go back to that. My sheep hear my voice. You're supposed to be hearing the voice of the shepherd. You're supposed to be hearing the Holy Spirit's voice. Adam, before he sinned, he had perfect communication with God, didn't he? He had a perfect relationship with God. God would reveal things to his spirit. Things were revealed to Adam. He didn't need to have information. He didn't even know he was naked, did he? He didn't need that information. What he needed was what God revealed to him by his spirit. And so then Adam sinned. When Adam sinned, what happened? He became reliant on his mind. He became reliant on his intellect. He became reliant on his senses, on what's happening around him. But I want you to know something. That was not the way Adam was intended to be made. He wasn't created to be like that. He was created to be in harmony with God's spirit. What God's spirit was speaking to him, that was how he was supposed to dominate the world. You with me? Now, when you're born again, your spirit is back in connection with God's spirit. You're able to hear his Holy Spirit in your spirit directing you and leading you, but the problem is you still have all these other senses. See, your, your spirit is supposed to be in charge of your body and your mind. It's not supposed to be the other way around. I'm not supposed to be led by the world system because the world system is based on what I can see, what I can feel, what I think, what my intellect says is right, but the Holy Spirit will tell you things sometimes that are contrary to what the world is telling you. Listen, let me, let me go on. I wanna, let, me, let me give you this example. I thought this was so good. George Washington Carver. You know that name, right, from history. George Washington Carver, the peanut man, the peanut guy. Was a man, he was a man of faith. I don't know if you knew that. He was a man of faith. He came up with 300 different uses for the peanut, 118 different uses for the sweet potato. He found ways to use them in cosmetics, shaving cream, Paper, he created paper out of peanuts, soap, instant coffee. I don't know if I want to drink that, but he made it. Hair dyes, he made medicines like antiseptics, treatment for gorders, uh, postage stamp glue, and so on. Here's what he said. He said, when I was young, I said to God, God, tell me the mysteries of the universe. But God answered, that knowledge is for me alone. And so then he said, God, tell me the mystery of the peanut. And God said, well, George, that's more nearly your size. Uh, but listen, he didn't, he didn't labor and toil for his inventions, for his discoveries. He says that God showed him what to do. In fact, he said, no books ever go into my laboratory. The only thing I, I do and, and what, I, what I wind up doing is revealed to me. What was he saying? He's saying the Holy Spirit would show him what to do. He came up with 300 different uses for a peanut. I can think of two. I eat it, and then I make peanut butter with it, and I eat that. He came up with 300 because God was revealing things to him. Here's my point. God wants you to operate in a higher level. 
He wants you to operate not by what you can see, but by what you can't see. He's going to reveal things to your spirit that you're to do. Maybe you're a a parent in this place and you wonder, how am I supposed to raise my kids? What am I supposed to do? You get all the parenting books, you start reading through them. God's going to show you things to do with your kids that you're not going to find in any parenting book because he's going to reveal things that are specific to your situation that you need to do. He's going to show it to you. Maybe in your job, you say, what am I supposed to do? God, I want to, God's going to show you ways to bless your company. He's going to show you things to do that will bring increase and blessing to people. But it's not going to come through all the intellectual stuff. There's nothing wrong with intellect. But if that's our source, if that's what we're relying on, we're missing what God wants to do. Because he wants to do some things that are outside of the way we think. Are you with me? He wants to take you to a different place, a different level that you can't get by reading a book. You can only get it from a download from the Holy Spirit. Hmm. That was worth the price of admission, I hope. Um, let, me, let me give you guys can play if you want to. It looks like you're ready to go. Let me, let me show you something. Look at Joshua chapter 9. And I'm, I'm getting ready to close. I told them when they come up, if I'm not ready, I'll get ready. So I'm getting ready to close. But Joshua chapter 9. And verse, look at verse 3. You know, Joshua was a man of God. And he listened to what God spoke to him most of, most of the time. And sometimes there was something called a no-brainer. You know, you ever have a no-brainer? Uh, that's, I know what to do. It's a no-brainer. Acknowledge him in all your ways, and he'll direct your paths. But sometimes we think, I know what to do here. This is easy. I don't even need God's advice right now. I know what to do. Joshua had a no-brainer. Some people came to Israel named Gibeon, and they wanted to make a treaty with them, but they disguised themselves because they'd lived close by in the land that God told them was going to be their inheritance. And he said, don't make any treaties with the people of that land because you're going to take care of them. You're going to wipe them out. So they said, let's disguise ourselves and say we've come from a far land. We'll wear old shoes and old clothes and bring old food and tell them we're from a long, long ways away and we'll trick them. And so they did it. They came and they said, look, we're, we're your servants. We want to make a treaty with you. We come from far away. It was a no-brainer. Joshua, he knew what to do. He didn't need the advice of the Lord. He knew what to do there, didn't he? So he made a treaty with them. And look at what it says in verse 14. The men of Israel took some of their provisions, but they did not seek the Lord's counsel. They got duped because they didn't seek the Lord. Sometimes we have things in our lives that we think we know what to do, but listen, the Lord says, acknowledge him in all your ways and he'll make your path straight. Hey, this makes sense to me. Let's do this. Acknowledge him in all your ways and he'll lead you and guide you into all truth. I want to, I want to close with this verse, John chapter 16, verse 13. And I I think this has become one of my favorite verses because I I just really want to apply it to my life. Look at verse, start at verse 13. He says, when the spirit of truth comes, that's the Holy Spirit. When the spirit of truth comes, he's going to guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He'll speak whatever he hears. So the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you. What's he going to speak? Whatever he hears from who? from the Father. So the Father is speaking to you by the Holy Spirit. 
He'll also declare to you what is to come. What does that mean? He's going to tell you things that are going to happen before they happen. You have ESP. Is that what the world calls it? You've got Holy Spirit ESP. You know what's happening before it happens because the Holy Spirit's talking to you. He's showing you what's to come. I didn't write this. Okay, I didn't, I didn't come up with this. Jesus came up with it. That's part of the Holy Spirit's job. Now, a lot of people, that'll throw them off. They'll say, hey, that's, that wasn't really, no, no, you can't have that. Why? Because it's, it's outside of their logical view of the Holy Spirit. Get, God's bigger than your, than your little logical view of Him. He wants to do more in your life than you can even ask or imagine. Okay? Verse 14, he'll glorify me, that's Jesus speaking, because he'll take from what is mine and declare it to you. What belongs to Jesus? Everything in this world, whatever you need, the Holy Spirit will take it and speak it over you. Now you got a responsibility. You got to hear what he's speaking and walk in unity with what he says. Walk in agreement with what he says, amen? Stand up with me. Peter did good, didn't he? I didn't even finish the story. Peter got out of the boat. He walked on the water. Eleven other guys sat there watching him with their mouths hanging open. But Peter walked on the water until something happened. It says he saw the wind and he saw the waves and he got his eyes off of Jesus and he started looking at his surroundings. If you keep your eyes on Jesus, you can, you can press through any situation, you can overcome any problem, you can overcome any circumstance, you can live the abundant life when you keep your eyes on Jesus. But when you get your eyes on your situation, on your problems, on what you're going through, on your, on your finances, on your family, on all these things, you get your eyes off of Jesus and you're gonna start to sink. Get your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. He's the author and perfecter of your faith. Amen. Yeah. Got more to say about it. Let me just, let me say this. In John chapter 6, it says, When Jesus then got into the boat, he picked up Peter, and when he got into the boat, it says the boat immediately was at the destination they were heading to. Supernaturally, they went from the middle of the lake to the destination when Jesus got in the boat. This is the life that God's created for you. No more struggle. No more spinning the wheels. No more toil. He's got abundant life in store for you. But you got to get to a place where you're hearing his voice. You've got to get to where you hear his voice and follow what he says because he's got something for you that's bigger than what you've ever thought about. He's got something in store for you that's greater than your plans and your expectations. He's got more, but you got to start hearing what he's saying and, and walking in that. Let me pray for you. Let's bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. And maybe you're here this morning and you've been hearing all that about the Holy Spirit speaking to you and getting out of your boat and all this, but this morning you know your life isn't right with Jesus Christ and you need to make your life right before we go any further. Let me pray for you. If that's you this morning and you'd like to give your life to Jesus, would you just raise your hand right where you're at and let me pray for you. I think we're family this morning. But let me just go ahead and tell you, in case you're watching on video this morning or on Facebook, let me just say, all you need to do is ask Jesus to come into your heart and change your life. And you just say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me for my sins. Make me a new person. I give you my life today in the name of Jesus. And Jesus 
come into your heart and change your life. And for the rest of us this morning, I want to charge you this week, listen, make a point to listen to the Holy Spirit. Make a point to seek the Lord in every situation, in every circumstance, no matter what you're going through, He's got the answer. And so, Lord, I thank you this morning for speaking to your people. I thank you this morning, Lord, that we submit ourselves to you and we say, Holy Spirit, have your way in us. Lead us and guide us into all truth. We want to hear your word, not the word of the world. We want to listen to your voice, not the voice of a stranger. We want to listen to the voice of the good shepherd who's going to lead us into abundant life. We thank you, Lord, for your word this morning. Somebody say amen. Thank you, Lord. Just lift your hands to the Lord right now. Lord, we thank you for each person in this place. Lord, we bless them today in the name of Jesus. I thank you. They are walking in the blessing and favor of Almighty God. I thank you, Lord, that your Holy Spirit is speaking and leading and guiding us into all truth. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen.